the Obscure Pastor Podcast. I'm Drew Carpenter, your host on the podcast for all kinds of ministers and other followers of Jesus who work in relative obscurity. My guest today is Shannon Davis. Shannon is a writer, a born teacher, and a self-described unrepentant do-gooder. She was born in Oklahoma and raised in Texas, but really grew up during her years as a missionary kid in Indonesia and Malaysia. Shannon has spent a great deal of her career in the nonprofit world, but is now a family resource minister at a church in the Oklahoma City area. Shannon, thanks for being with us today. Oh, you bet. I'm excited about this. Can you briefly tell me about your current ministry situation, who you work with, what you do? Sure. So I um, serve at a church um, in a a first ring suburb of Oklahoma City where a a smallish church, um, about 350 people, three of us full-time staffers um, working here. Um, it's a church that used to be in its heyday was, was big and bustling and booming. And this was a great suburb where people really wanted to raise their kids, uh, where we live now is a little bit different. Um, lots of really good people here that we serve, but, um, this community also has a lot of issues with poverty and, um, drugs and gangs and, you know, all the stuff you see, um, on the evening news, but, um, My role is a family resource minister. So I oversee um, all of our children and family ministries, as well as all of our outreach and community-based ministries. And we have a good number of those because we have a community that's full of need. So some of the things I do include um, after-school tutoring program and summer day camp, and um, we do a food pantry and um, school supply giveaways and lots of of community focused events. It seems like that melds really well with what you had been doing in your, some of your prior experience in nonprofit. Where mm-hmm. you're... I spent a good number of years in nonprofit and mm-hmm. learned a lot about um, utilizing volunteers and raising money and making partnerships within the community. So all of that is serving me very well. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, today I want to get to the struggle we have with obscurity and maybe the isolation we feel and maybe get some ideas from you on how you specifically deal with those, those types of feelings. Shannon, you agreed to come on the obscure pastor podcast. Why do you consider yourself obscure? Because I am outside of my kind of small sphere of influence here where I work and live and serve. I, I'm not somebody that gets asked to speak places. I don't really, get asked to write books or, or even speak on panels very often. I, now my mom will ask me to write. She's always bugging me, please write something, please write something. And (laughs) if you look at my blog, you can see I write something about once a year these days, but I'm not really out in the, the known world of Christianity. I think if you went to the Oklahoma city nonprofit area, there might be a few people who would know and remember my time there, but Um, Other than that, I'm really just, I'm kind of focused on our community here and don't have a huge following outside of that. Is that somewhat related to your role as a woman in your church and your specific Uh, context? I mean, talk to me about that. Yeah, for sure. I do serve in a faith tradition that is fairly, not fairly, pretty limiting 
on women's roles. Uh, we don't have women preachers or elders. I really, until recently, couldn't even stand up in a Sunday morning assembly and make an announcement. That's changing, which is great. So yeah, so I do feel a little bit of that pressure. Some days, a lot of that pressure of just as a woman, I have to, I have to do extra work even to to get to speak sometimes in a meeting or be invited to a meeting or get word out about a particular ministry opportunity that 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 I'm in charge of. So yeah, uh, that definitely adds to that feeling of isolation and obscurity in my life for sure. Is there an instance or a story of something where it just really impacted you specifically? Yeah, actually, this is the this is the second um, ministry position I've held, and um, they were about fifteen years apart <laughs> because the first one scarred me so deeply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was um, serving at a church in another city, and um, I was. Um, I mean, I'm blessed now that my my title is actually minister. Uh, back then, I was a coordinator. I wasn't allowed to be called a minister. That that has changed in 15 years. That's great. But um, not, not that there's anything wrong with being a coordinator or director, correct, right? But correct, if, that, if that's correct. a way of keeping women from being ministers or pastors, exactly, that, that, that exactly. is a problem, right? Exactly. And um, so, yeah, so I was working part time. And my youngest child went to preschool and I went to my boss and said, I'm kind of ready to be full-time. I mean, I'm already working full-time hours. And he agreed. And so went to our church elders and told them what my, my desire was. And uh, they came back and said, no, you need to work part-time while you still have young children at home. And so that, that Mm. sent me to the world of nonprofit (laughs) 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 pretty quick. (laughs) Um, and I was, I was bad about it for a while, but, um, you know, God is so faithful. And even when, um, humans make mistakes and humans don't do the right thing, God is always there with an answer. And his answer in my particular career path was, well, let's put you in the world of nonprofit where nobody cares what gender or color or, you know, (laughs) if you're willing to do the work that (laughs) for this little bit of money, then you can go right ahead. Um, no. So I learned a lot. Um, and I had uh, different jobs. I had some jobs in faith-based, um, organizations and then some more secular nonprofits and learned so much that I use just about every day in ministry. And, um, so anyway, that, but yeah, that's a really good example of, uh, that obscurity that comes from being a female in ministry sometimes. (laughs) What are your what are your coping mechanisms? What are the things you do that help those types of situations? Obviously, it, it didn't really roll off your back 15 years ago, but obviously there's times and places where you feel like you're rejected or left out or yeah. whatever. What what are some coping mechanisms that you have to overcome that? So, yeah, the the one that just works for me just about every time is to take a step back remember why God has put me in the place I'm in. And he's put me here because of people that, that need ministering to. And so if I can just look for the opportunities to really one-on-one or um, in a more personable way, uh, relate to someone and help walk them through um, a troubling time in their life, that's the beauty of obscurity, I think, sometimes, 
um, because it does free me up for more one-on-one personal pastoring. Um, I have the ability in my, my day, just about every day, uh, to have an open door that says, yep, you've walked by our church building and you need somebody to sit and just pray with you and let you cry. I mean, I'm, I'm available for that <laughs> most <laughs> days. And um, there are a lot of hurting people inside and outside the church that just need someone with the tag of Christian or minister on their forehead that's going to hear them and see them and look at them. Um, you know, I don't, I don't preach to cheering crowds. I don't, <laughs> Me I don't get any of that, right? <laughs> but I do have that sense of God was here in this room with me and this person, and I was able to be light in a dark world. And so that just gives me the ability to overlook as much as I can those places where I get pushed to the side or not noticed. And and that's okay, because really and truly, if you look at Jesus's ministry, now he did preach to crowds, right? So much of what's recorded in the New Testament is those one-on-one and more intimate encounters. Right. Um, so, hmm. you know, if it's good enough for Jesus, we can do that too, right? <laughs> right on. <laughs> I've known you for a long time, uh, mm-hmm. obviously. I, we won't t- count the years, but we've known each <laughs> other for a long And I've never, you've never been one to be comp- that I know of. But this is part of the question that I ask, you know, there, we kind of, we kind of get in that mode of you get so, you get so efficient at your job, you get so you're, you're in productivity mode and you know how to do stuff at this stage in your career and in your life. How do you keep from getting complacent in that and just thinking, oh, I can handle this next thing because I've done this this way before. How do you keep from being complacent? Well, you're right. I'm not a person who's wired for complacency. I'm very much, a, you know, where's the fire at? Let me put it on my fire hat and I'll go, go put it out. That's just how I roll. Um, and that serves me well in ministry often. Um, but that being said, I, I am, this is my sixth year um, in this particular ministry position. And yeah, there are some things that I'm like, man, that's rolling really well. I could just walk away and I can be gone on a Sunday and nobody even notices. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But again, looking for those places where God is pointing me and saying, this is what's next, or this person is who needs your attention now, or um, this is, this is, this is what's going to happen. And this is why I've put you where I put you for this moment. Um, letting him lead and, and showing me and opening my eyes, you know, a really good example of that is about a year ago, we had an opportunity to foster um, three siblings. And, you know, Brent and I were in our golden years, I guess. Our youngest <laughs> had gone to college. and <laughs> We were reveling and being able to watch anything we wanted on TV at night. Our house is way different a year, a year later um, with a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old. We just, as of this week, are uh, moving forward to adopt them. Hmm. Um, So it'll be a a whole new thing. And I promised Brent this year, we've had this conversation about complacency. And uh, he really likes the quiet and the predictable. And I really like the chaos. And I did tell him we were not going to add any new projects this year. But (laughs) um, (laughs) um, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, right. I, I think just we don't if we don't become complacent if we are just always looking for the next open door that God is providing. And when He's opening the door, then He will provide whatever it is we need to walk through it. And um, I think when we get bored and complacent um, is when we're trying to do our own thing. <laughs> Mm. Um, and, and check off all our own tick boxes. Yep. I've got a blog. Yep. I've done this. Yes. My website looks great. Yes. My, this ministry is going well. Yep. I've got this many volunteers, you know, God's plans are always, always harder and bigger and scarier than ours are. And, um, if we, if we stick with him, we don't get bored. Hmm. That's good. Where do you find inspiration to keep going? Yeah. Um, Right now, I am finding inspiration in my children, my, my older girls who are 25, 22, and 20, um, and their generation of believers, they are so much better than we were. I mean, <laughs> they are just, <laughs> um, when they take hold of their faith and um, you know, really kind of put their, their shoulder to the, uh, what's the, I don't even know what that metaphor is. Never mind. But when they really take hold of their faith and they are serious about it, I mean, they give me so much joy just in seeing mm. how, how big their ideas are and how willing they are to sacrifice and what they're willing to stand up and say and who they're inviting to the table and just, all of those things. I mean, that this generation coming up behind us is, is on fire. And, um, I am so inspired by them and, um, by what they're doing in the world, not what they're going to do, but what they're actually doing in the world. (laughs) Very cool. Shannon, what advice would you have for ministers like you and me who do Great work. Well, I'll speak for you. I won't speak for me. I don't know if I do great work. I try. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, you're doing this great podcast, well, right? <laughs> what would you, so what, would you, what advice would you have for ministers like us who might not, uh, might not get noticed for the good that they're doing? What would you tell them? I would say we live in a culture that worships success hmm. and that worships um, celebrity and even notoriety. I, you know, I have those days where I'm like, how does this person who was held up as a celebrity pastor and has now fallen from grace, how does that person still have more followers than I do? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or another church, uh, an extra. Right, right, yeah. Right. right. But that's our culture. That's, that's the world. The culture we are living in or should be living in is the culture that that Jesus laid out for us. His way is notice the people on the fringes, have those one-on-one conversations, be loving and caring to people that don't have anybody else. And, and, you know, we've said it before, he did feed thousands and, and, and preach to thousands, but, um, we don't have to have that to be successful. Uh, was it Mother Teresa who said, you don't even have to be effective. You just have to be faithful. <laughs> mm. um, and so ministry to people coming into it at the beginning often 
it appears to be, you know, full of accolades and attention and, and it draws personalities that like that sometimes. I mean, I'm that kind of a personality, but that's not really what ministry is. Ministry is number one, staying grounded in your own spiritual growth and your own spiritual wellness so that um, everything that God is pouring into you, he's giving you so much that you are, it's just overflowing into the mm. people around you. Mm. Um, and I mean, that's true, not just of ministers, I think, but of, of any Christian who's walking through their life. Well, and I think, I mean, and part of the reason I started this venture I have going here mm-hmm. is that it's not just ministers who mm-hmm. are unnoticed, right? I've right. Been, yeah. I've worked with you in, in when we were in, did some work at Corpus Christi and some yeah. mission environments. I, and I was a missions pastor for several years. And so the people that don't get noticed are often, they understand, they understand this. It's like, I'm a person, mm-hmm. I'm here. Um, I'm doing the best that I can with the limited, whatever that I have. And so I think it's, I mean, I think you're right. And I, this is the second time this has come up. I've only done a few of these interviews yeah. so far, but that's the second time that it's like, narrow your focus and know that there's people that, that need you to notice them, right? Need exactly. you to care, care for them. That's, that is so true. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, even when I was working in nonprofit, I worked um, in, a, in an environment where I worked with a lot of young um, staff members. And I was kind of known, it was a, it was a faith-based nonprofit, but most of the staff at, a, at the lower level of the organization weren't necessarily believers. I was known within our, our part of the organization as the church lady because part of my job <laughs> was recruiting um, pastors and ministers to come in and do um, church for the kids that we were serving. And so, um, and I can remember... Um, one time just walking past one of our, our younger staff people in the hallway and he goes, Oh, church lady, what are you giving up for Lent? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I said, cussing. And he was like, what? (laughs) He goes, that's what I'm giving up. (laughs) And I mean, we had a, like a real conversation and a real different kind of relationship after that, because he, for some reason, had put me on this pedestal of like I was this perfect person. And when he realized I wasn't and that I was open and honest and willing to be transparent about some things, like it really changed the dynamic of our relationship. And, and I think about that so often. It's funny here in our particular um, church setting is I'm on staff and then my husband is an elder, which is a volunteer position, but it's a, you know, a specially selected position. And, um, it's hilarious that we, we will walk through the halls and our kids will be yelling and screaming. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not the, he's not a first. Invariably, invariably, guy, <laughs> yeah, invariably somebody will come up and go, well, if an elder's kid can do that, then I feel okay. Like <laughs> <laughs> you're a normal person. <laughs> That's right. Hmm. That's right. All right. Well, we're getting into the lighthearted moments now, so that's good. I mean, uh, this sometimes can be a little bit intense, but I do want to ask a couple of just fun questions of you, and then we'll wrap our time up. I want to know who your favorite musical artist is. Oh, gosh, I hate this question because that's so hard. Well, you can Um, say who it is today. You don't have to 
do all time? Well, okay. So if I'm, I guess I can tell you what I'm listening to the most right now. And what I'm listening to the most right now is the Hamilton soundtrack. And that's because I love it, but also now my children love it and they ask for it every time we get in the car. There's a lot of Broadway type things that um, would, would be in my favorites list. And right now Hamilton's right there up at the top. Okay. Uh, I'd love to hear something about you that not very many people know. Oh. Oh, gosh. Let's see. Not very many people know. I am terrified of Bigfoot. Like, I think he's real. And um, I had some unfortunate experiences as a kid that watching things on TV I wasn't supposed to that um, scarred me. And so, yeah, I'm if I'm in a... If I'm in a, a house or someplace where there's woods in the back, I'm usually pretty terrified. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, okay. I, maybe I'm not remembering this correctly, but I feel like Eastern Oklahoma, there was yes. some sighting yes. or something at some point. Is yes, that right? Or maybe even a documentary or something. There's a TV show. Yes. That is centered um, often in Oklahoma. So luckily I don't live near there. <laughs> Um, Not anymore. <laughs> and I don't think that um, Bigfoot likes urban or even suburban areas. So that's good. <laughs> okay. Not, good, good information. That's awesome. How can people find you if you want to be found? Like, what is oh, your, what's I, your social media platform? I know you yeah. got a website. Let me say this, too. You talk about the blog, right? Yeah. Uh, your website. I am finding more and more people are just using their Instagram for a blog. Mm -hmm. So they're post a mm -hmm. picture and then they'll just write this really long thing under it, you know? And I'm like, Oh, that's a thought. That's one way to go. But um, anyways, so where, where do people find you? Where if, do people find me? Yeah. If um, you want to be found, I mean, if you want to be obscure and stay obscure, then we're okay <laughs> with that too. Cause you know, <laughs> Oh no, I'd love to be found. I'm a people person. So, um, I am on well Instagram so and Facebook um, and my my website are all the same Shan S H A N Cheek C H E E K Davis. You can look for me anywhere there. My my website's shancheekdavis.com. I really update my website and update that blog less often than the other two mediums. I'm kind of that Instagram sure. <laughs> yep. blogger, but um, anyway, but yeah. Uh, and I love connecting and, and, um, talking to people from all over the world. I did grow up, uh, like you said, overseas and I have lots of friends all over the world. I go to Honduras every year as a mission. And do you have anything else you would like to, uh, say or do as we close out the, the show today? Well, I just think this is awesome. I'm so glad that you are, um, filling this little niche, um, uh, the truth is people in ministry, pastors, ministers, directors, volunteers, whatever, <laughs> um, it, it is a hard, it's a hard life uh, sometimes. There are really amazing good things about it, but it is not just, if you're in ministry, it shouldn't be just a job. It is a calling too. And the more that we can connect with each other and support each other and and be transparent and share those struggles that we have, the better off we are and the better off the body of Christ is as a whole. So bravo to you. 
Well, right on. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for being one of my guests. Thanks again, Drew. Appreciate you and tell Carmen hi. You betcha. <laughs> You have been listening to the Obscure Pastor Podcast. If you like the podcast, share it with a friend. Subscribe today and sign up at obscurepastor.com for my brief weekly e-newsletter. It's a dose of encouragement and inspiration. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drew Carpenter. So let's be friends.